Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Hi, I'm Rick Hall. And I'm Laura Hall. Welcome to So Says Rick, and this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're going to the archives for one of the first stories I told as a storyteller. Matter of fact, what launched my professional storytelling career, and I just made air quotes when I said that, the professional story. Imagine them. Yeah. Was uh, back in the 90s, as an actor, I was working, and then I went through a period of time when I didn't have any jobs, and I was complaining to Laura about it. And what did you say to me, Laura? I said, why don't you write down some of your stories and tell them? (laughs) Yeah. Only I think she said more like, why don't you get off your butt and do something like write down your stories? I'm trying to be positive, Rick. There you go. Anyway, well, she was right either way. And I started writing down my stories and people liked to hear them. And in no time, I ended up with a full one-man show called Pig Boy, which were stories about growing up on a pig farm in Illinois. And our friend Barb Wallace directed it and helped shape the stories and turn them into the show. We ended up touring the show. We played in Chicago at the Royal George Theater. We had a nice run there. We got great reviews. And I say we because Laura played the music and scored the whole show. So we toured together. We've been together doing shows a long time. We have been, yes. And uh, Joyce Sloan, who was the producer and sort of mother hen at Second City, (laughs) called Rick... A modern-day Will Rogers. You kids are going to have to Google that Will Rogers guy. (laughs) We uh, toured the Midwest, and then we brought the show to L.A. Somebody from HBO came and saw the show and invited us to join the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival. That was so much fun. That was really fun. Altitude about killed us. but (laughs) They had to have oxygen backstage for the actors because you'd be running around and be like, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) They had it at the front door for the audience, too. So, you know. It was great. So this story was recorded in 2006 for a CD that Rick made called Slice of Pie. And we recorded it at Church of the Valley with a live audience. That's right. Oh, and I want to give credit to Phil Swan, who helped us produce the CD. The story is based in truth. I mean, it really was part of a conversation I had with this guy. But for his backstory, I created that. So That's where we get to the mostly true stories part. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, all good storytellers, you have to invent the details that you don't know. So here it is. This story is called Roger Snout Tucker, recorded for Rick's Slice of Pie CD. Mrs. Rutledge's fifth grade class had career day, and a fireman, a football coach, and the driver of the dead animal truck spoke to the class. <laughs> and ever since that day, Roger Tucker knew what he wanted to be. You see, Roger had been intrigued by death ever since his grandma died. It was the saddest he ever saw his dad and the only time he ever saw his father cry. And it wasn't until after grandma was buried that things finally got better. It's over now, his dad said. We best get on with our lives. When Roger Tucker came home and told his mother he wanted to be a dead truck driver, she wasn't familiar with the occupation. (laughs) They lived in town. 
She just thought it was some creepy thing he'd made up with his friends. As Roger explained the fine points of the job in very clear and graphic detail, she knew this was not something her 10-year-old boy had made up. He, he drives a big red truck, and when somebody's got a dead cow or a horse or something that's too big to bury, they call him. And, and he, he comes up and he gets it with a cable winch and pulls it into his truck. And then he takes it away to the rendering plant, and they make it into fertilizer. And everybody likes him because he takes away dead things. <laughs> Roger was walking home from school a couple days later when he came across a dead squirrel in the street. And without even hesitating, he reached down, picked the squirrel up by the tail, and deposited it in a nearby trash can. After that, opportunities to hone his skills just seemed to present themselves. His buddy Jeff found the family cat dead in the backyard. He called Roger. The neighbor lady found a dead mouse in her silverware drawer. She called Roger. Baby birds would make their first attempts at flying right in front of Roger, knowing full well that if they didn't make it and plunged to their death, he would dispose of the remains in a timely and dignified manner, not just step over the corpse and wait for some cat to find it. See, even at a young age, Roger seemed to be able to separate himself from the death and focus on how much people appreciated him doing something they couldn't handle. When Roger was 13 years old, he had a bad accident on his bicycle right on Face Hill. He fell on his face. They called it Face Hill after the accident. <laughs> he got out of the hospital with, with broken nose, a crushed sinuses, and virtually no sense of smell. Well, the loss of smell was just another sign to Roger. He'd chosen the right career. Unfortunately, after that, his nose kind of turned up on the end like a pig, and all the kids at school had to tease him and call him Snout. When Roger graduated from high school, college wasn't even a consideration. What could they possibly teach him about being a dead truck driver? You either have it or you don't. Roger started with a Chevy pickup and an ad in the Tri-County Shopper, and within two years, he had a big red diesel truck with a cable winch in the back and a professionally painted sign on the door that read, Roger Snout Tucker Animal Removal Service. The first time I met Roger Tucker, he looked exactly like what I thought a dead truck driver should look like. He was a big, strong bull of a man with a, with a pig nose and, and tight curly hair that went up about three inches before it leveled off into a flat top. And he kind of gave me the creeps at first, because I knew he worked around dead animals all the time, and he seemed quite comfortable with it. He would walk right up to a pile of smelly dead pigs, and he didn't care whether he was upwind or downwind. He'd just start throwing them into the truck like they were bags of flour. One time, I saw him reach down with his hand and pick up some guts on the ground and throw them in the truck. Oh, man. I almost choked on my Bazooka Joe bubble gum. <laughs> he saw that, and he said... Well, we can't let them intestines go to waste. What do you think they make bubble gum out of? <laughs> I knew he was joking, but I spit out my gum just to be safe. And after I got over my initial fear of Roger, I found out he was a really nice guy. And he always took time to talk to me. He'd tell me dead truck stories. Stories of wisdom, courage. 
Neil Twitchell was taking a load of cattle to market one time, and one of the cows died in the back of the truck, and he un he unloaded the other ones, you know, and then he, he just brought that dead cow back home, parked the truck behind the barn, and went in and told Marion to give me a call. Well, I guess as the story goes, Marion was watching One Life to Live, and she forgot to call me. <laughs> That Neil, he didn't need a truck till later in the week, and when he went out there, oh my goodness, he found a big smelly dead mess in the back. I came and got that cow, of course, but before I left, he said, now Roger, how am I going to get that stink out of my truck? I said, well, Neil, if I was you, I'd just drive fast from now on. And, and, Probably just roll through stop signs. Could you slow down too much? That stinks. She's going to catch up to you. <laughs> he, he was so wise. You get pretty accepting of death growing up on a farm, especially when you consider the fact that every now and then you have to put an animal out of its misery. It's a lot easier to take your dog to the vet and have him put old spot down than it is to do it yourself. Believe me. And my dad was a very gentle man. He always has been, but he could always do what had to be done, even when it came to one of our pets. I remember my old pony chipper had gotten down in the pasture outside the house, and we took feed and water out to him, but it occurred to me one of these days somebody's going to have to go out there and shoot chipper, hopefully dad. And my mom, she didn't understand how all this worked. She grew up in town. Roy. You mean you're not even going to have the vet come out here and take a look at poor old Chipper? Well, Jenny, I'm not going to waste $35 to have a vet tell me I need to shoot my horse. <laughs> well, I hope if I'm ever out raking leaves in the yard and I fall down and break my hip, I hope one of the kids find me because I just see you standing there saying, Well, I'm not going to waste $50 to have a doctor tell me I need to shoot my wife. <laughs> I didn't want to admit it, but I kind of agreed with Mom on this one. I mean, Dad had told us not to get too attached to our pets, but Chipper was my pony, and it just wasn't that easy. I went out to the pasture with him to help in case he needed anything. It was quick and painless. My dad, my dad was a good shot. I hooked the log chain from Chipper's back legs to the drawbar of the tractor, and we drug him over near the edge of the pasture. And I was just unhooking the log chain when I heard it. The roar of a diesel engine. Roger Snout Tucker's big red truck was thundering up the lane, a cloud of dust billowing up behind him. And before the dust had even cleared, he'd already hooked Chipper's back legs to the cable winch and was slowly pulling his limp, lifeless body into the back of the truck. The winch creaked and groaned with a load, but Roger just kept pulling and pulling and pulling till Chipper was all the way on top of the pile. Chipper was king of the hill one last time. <laughs> Roger Snout Tucker shut the tailgate of his truck, made the sign of the cross, turned to me to deliver the eulogy. Oh, he had a style very rarely seen in dead truck drivers. <laughs> when I was about your age, I was walking down the railroad tracks just outside of town, and I came across a skeleton of a dead dog. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, that's about the saddest thing i ever seen. Not because that dog was dead, mind you. No, no, we all got to go sooner or later. 
but there was nobody there to take care of him after he was gone. I'll take care of your pony. And Roger Tucker got in his big red truck, and he roared back down the lane. And through the dust, I could see Chipper's mane blowing in the breeze for that last roundup at the rendering plant. We should all be able to die with that kind of dignity, with that kind of self-respect. Our lifeless bodies transformed into fertilizer, the building blocks of future generations. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They all play pinochle on your snout. So Roger Snow Tucker was a real guy, right? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. He actually said to me that line about picking up guts and saying, what do you think they make bubble gum out of? (laughs) And it's funny, if I tell those stories in a big city, people think I've come up with these characters. But when I tell them back in Greene County or somewhere, they're like, oh, I know that guy. (laughs) The thing is, I just transcribe what people say. I don't write that much, really. (laughs) That's what good storytelling is, Thank you, honey. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for coming, and thanks for listening to one of my first stories. I hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.